Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast, where we are training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. You know, I remember, I remember, this is really awesome. See Matt Miller standing over there with Sarah. See him? Like, wave, Matt. Matt's our discipleship pastor. I remember so vividly having a conversation with Matt in middle school saying, you need to go to middle school camp. You just need to come to camp. You need to go. It's going to be really great. And there's all kinds of things you're going to learn. I remember Matt going, well, um, I remember just trying to convince him to go to camp. I can remember later on saying, there's a mission project. There's a mission trip to Mexico. We're going to build some, you know, all this kind of stuff. I really want you to come. I can remember talking to your brother, Mark, and the same kinds of things. I remember how as a youth pastor, I was just trying to get people to go to camp. You remember the days, you you, you ever think back and and like how quickly things changed. I mean, Matt is now, he's married to a beautiful woman. They have beautiful children. I never would have guessed that that would have happened. It's amazing, Matt. I, I, I couldn't have seen it. I couldn't have seen it. It's a, a Sarah is, well done, man. I mean, goodness. Mark, same thing. Like, my goodness, right? I can remember, Brett Darling is one of our elders now. I can remember sitting down with Brett Darling, who I invited to be a, a, what we call youth coaches or a youth leader. I can remember sitting down with Brett going, hey, we got all these parents that are not happy with the games that you're playing. You can't put potatoes in socks and then swing them around, you know, and, and hit people with them. That's not cool. People are going to get knocked out. And he was like, oh, I thought it would be soft enough. Like, Brett. I can remember Brett, I, I can remember saying, Brett, you can't throw kids in the pool like that. They're, you're killing people, right? You need to settle down a little bit. You know, let's put somebody else in charge of games, okay? Brett, he's one of our elders now, right? Thank goodness he found, or Mindy found him, I think, maybe, or I don't know who found who, but goodness. You remember days, you know, I, I mean, it just seems like it wasn't that long ago. It really doesn't, it just seems, it, it, it doesn't seem that long ago. Do you remember, oh my goodness, do you remember when Houghton Road was a two-lane road? Oh, those were painful days, <laughs> right? I, I can remember going, oh man, oh man, when are they going to widen this up? And then they widen part of it and you're like, why didn't you just finish it? I remember when, do you remember when there's no Marianne Cleveland Road, just none? And you had to drive all the way around the freeway to get to Sienega High School, right? Oh, in 2005, I called Calvin Baker, our, our district superintendent, and I said, hey, you know, I hear you got, you got a beat on all this uh, area out here, and, and could you tell me about it? Could we just get together and talk about potential growth and what you see? And I'd just like to get to know you. I'm worth thinking about launching a church out there. So we got together and we had lunch and we visited and we looked at maps and all that kind of stuff, right? And Calvin uh, was telling me about all these things because I didn't really know much about this area. It was, there, there was no fries out here. Do you remember when there was no fries shopping center? You remember that? There was, it wasn't there. It wasn't there. And then you, I just recently, do you remember when they built the fries and then they put the gas station in the same parking lot and you're going, 
what is, why'd they do that? There's nowhere to park and you couldn't get in and out of things and thank goodness they, they, they moved it, you know, across the street. You remember that? Do you remember when there was no Taco Bell? <laughs> or Freddy's or anything else out here? And you, do you remember those days? Oh my goodness, there was no Empire. There was, there was only one school really out here that Old Vale Middle School is really the only school out here. I can remember back in those days. It really wasn't that long ago. It, 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 it's crazy how things have escalated uh, uh, all around us and kind of nuts. Oh, let me show you something I got, I got to show you. Um, oh, this is there. Stop right there. Okay, so just so you get your bearings, you can see I-10 and Colossal Cave, Old Spanish Trail. And then right in the middle up here, top left corner. All right, does it zoom in once? Yeah, it zooms in a little bit. Or is it already zoomed in? Oh, it's, oh, might have to start over. Can you start over? Oh, okay. This is not my presentation or Sherry's. It's somebody else's. So we're at the mercy of this thing. It's good. It's good. Okay. So just top left corner, all right? And you see there's a square there. It's right where the I-10 thing is. I don't know. I got a laser pointer. But, you know, there's a little like dot up there, you know, kind of thing, a little insignia thing. Across that, that's, you know, that's, that's uh, Valencia Road right there. And the church is right in between there, okay? So I just want you to get an idea where the church is and what's happening, okay? Just let's go. Let's, let, me, let me show you what's happening in this area. It's kind of nuts. Oh, here it goes. Okay, now, by the way, choose a screen and focus. If you're trying to look at all of them, it's gonna, you're gonna get dizzy. Just choose a screen and stay with it. Okay, I promise. Okay, all right, let's talk about, see, I told you. Let's talk about business development that's coming to Vail. All right, stop right there. Woo! Okay, Amazon is coming. Did, have you seen that? I mean, everything in the planet is tore up for this. All right? Amazon's coming. Stop right here. 1,500 to 19,000 jobs. All right? Unbelievable 855 square feet, something like three or four 747s can fit underneath just the building underneath the roof, all right? That's why they're tearing up, you know, the intersection over there and it's just, it's gonna be a nightmare. Who knows when they're gonna get it done? But look at this, look what's underneath this whole thing, the concept and, and all this, it's kinda crazy, okay? We know that Amazon's coming. Look at the other things that are happening here. Oh, the tech park, the university tech park, right? Tons of stuff is happening here. Stop right there, Sherry. Um, Growth from 7,000 to 14,000 employees over the next two or three years. That's a lot. That's a lot of employees. How many was it with Amazon? Like a couple thousand uh, employees just in uh, this next year. Look at all of this kind of stuff that's happening in the tech park that's emerging over time. And all these things. Look at how happy everybody is. They're like holding hands and walking around in there and stuff, right? Oh, Raytheon, what is that? We don't know what Raytheon is. Nobody works at Raytheon in our church. Stop right there. I don't know. This is like a, a we, we get these numbers from Raytheon and they change their mind, you know, just like everybody. But, but there's, you know, a, a couple thousand employees that they're working through, right? Hiring here in the next couple of years. I mean, that's a lot. There's how many people work there right now? Like seven, five to seven thousand people. I mean, something crazy like that. How many of you work at Raytheon? Yeah, it's only like three people, or the rest of you are like, no, I don't want to raise my hand. Okay, how about this? Stop right here. 
this place just emerged. Um, uh, it's, it's just been built. This is 500 new jobs here, the world's largest autonomous truck fleet. Right here in our area, just got, just, their building just completed, all right? And they're launched and they're, they're going to town right now. It, it's kind of crazy, all right? Stop right here because some of these things have come. You remember when we didn't have a Walmart? <laughs> and now we're like, all right, we've got, oh, we got a Walmart, right? You could spend the night in your RV in the parking lot, right? Petco, <laughs> man, we need more Petcos. Holy cows, feel like there's a pet food store in every corner, and then there's Panda, all these other things. TJ Maxx, my wife really loves that. See, we got a Taco Bell now. Freddy's, many more. All these things, Baggins, Arby's, Jersey Mike's, right? Uh, oh, coming soon, Hughes Federal Credit Union. Can't wait for that. And Mc, need more, McDo more McDonald's, all right? You remember when there wasn't anything though and you're like, oh, if we could just have something, right? How about, you remember when that little dirt lot over there was a, supposed to be a safe way? You're like, yeah, sure, right? And they changed their mind. Now look, there's actually a safe way over there in that, off a colossal cave. And it looks just like that, right? We have a safe way. Another one, all right? Oh, and then the, 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 they have the devil in there too, but, but uh, <laughs> road improvements, who's not? road improvement. We need road improvements. Like Tucson never improves the roads, right? But stop right here. Pause it right there because we want to celebrate and give thanks because we've chopped up Houghton Road, you know, in, in eight different priorities of what's going to be, you know, just pave it for crying out loud. But they're, you know, all right. But you remember when it was a two-lane highway, right? And the speed limit was 55. Now, I don't know what it is, but you got to go slow or you're going to get a ticket. Be careful because the police officers love it, right? Um, so be careful. And we got one of the, oh, we've come into the 21st century. We have a little sign on the side of the road at Houghton, right? That says, you're going too fast. And you just keep going right past it, right? <laughs> like, ah, look at this. Stop right here. Or does it zoom in one more time? Or do we already do it? Oh, stop right there. Oh, now this we need. This will take 800 years to build, but this, <laughs> this we need. This is the interchange right there. Oh my gosh, do we need this? Look at what they, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do it, but wow, you can go find out, all right? They're going to tear it up. As soon as they get that big bridge over there, they've taken eight years to build. It's going to happen. That's next. Whoa, whoa, pause. Kolb and Valencia intersection improvements, right? You, you know, the reason why you can't get the, you, well, don't turn right, you know, and go down there if, at the wrong time of the day, right? Whew. Okay. But my goodness, six lanes right in front of the church. Six lanes. Are you getting me? There's only two lanes right there right now. Now you know why the sign is set back so far from the road. Because it's coming, right? Look at what's happening. Stop it right there, Sherry, because... Because you know where that little Circle K gas station is, right? There's going to be a road goes behind it, right? And then they're going to tear that down. They're going to build an even bigger one because we need more Circle K, right? <laughs> and, and all kinds of cool stuff right there. It's going to be so fantastic because that's where Amazon is coming and everything. 8,500 people drive by Vail Christian Church to go to work every day. Did you know that? It's going to go up even further, right? That's why they got to widen the road. 
it's pretty enormous because of things like this, the rocking key area. Stop it right there. Uh, the, the, the Valencia Road is going to be extended all the way over to this Old Spanish Trail. Oh my gosh. They're bidding for the roads and the bridges right now because it's got to happen. It's got to happen uh, coming in the next two years, right? Uh, all these improvements and widening of Camino Loma Alta. I mean, because that road's like crazy. An old Spanish trail, if it rains, you can just like float away down the, you know, stuff like that. Stop right there. That's the expansion. Okay, so now you can see, see where it says Saguaro Trails up there? That's actually that road right there is not a road. That's the bike trail. And Vail Christian Church is right there where that little notch is, right? Look at Valencia Road will be punched through all the way to Old Spanish Trail, opening up this huge highway, right, for residential growth. Unbelievable amount of homes are going to be built right there and all connecting everything together. Whoa, did we go backwards? Maybe not. Keep going. It's okay. Oh, Swirl Trails. Have you seen that? That's on Houghton, right? 770 homes and like four of them are already done. Right, all the, I know, stop. I wasn't trying to be, I mean. <laughs> it's because it's all happening. I mean, they built four houses in like four days over there, right? It's, 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 it's that's just down the street from us. Just down the street. <laughs> I didn't mean that to come out like that. La Estancia, Estancia, is that the way you say it? Look at that. 2,500 homes. That's just right across the, the uh, Cold Road. How about all these other ones? Watch them pop up. <clears throat> Mountain Vale. Goodness. Um, yeah, Palo Verde Ridge. These are all emerging, all these homes. Rincon Knolls. And then more stuff like crazy out of Delago. If, if you've been around there, I mean, it's, it's like crazy. Look, how many... 30 to 40 lots still available. That, that, you know, it's been built up. That's, that's one of the newest ones. Look at what's coming there, 198 homes. Brand new, brand new, really nice homes. Rincon Knolls, 158 homes, all right? And some of these, are that's just the first phase and that's all we know, right? Something like 255 uh, homes right there in, the, in Del Lago. Um, some of those areas, stop right there, Sherry. That all happens because of the Valencia Road expansion and all around this. Remember, the church is up in the top left corner, but when you zoom out, we're right in the center of all of this. You realize this? You realize that Tucson is still one of the largest cities in the country that's still the least church city in the country. And Vail is just like that, you know, 20, 25,000 people out here, and there's still very little church. If everybody wanted to go to church on Sunday, any given day of the week, they, they couldn't all do it. You'd have to travel and try to make it, but you, the, nobody would fit in all, just the churches that are in Tucson, let alone Vail, okay? You realize that there's still more facility to build on this property than has been built. There's still more parking spaces to pave than we've actually paved already. It's crazy what is happening. Do you realize, you know, right where I'm standing, there, uh, right in the middle of this room, there's another wall that's slated to, you know, just like that portable wall that we open, you know, to kind of spill out over into the other room. There's, there, that one goes here. And then there's these two big path, pathway through things that go into that kitchen that's not, there's nothing in there except for my office is in the kitchen and Mark's. 
right? Because that's an industrial kitchen. We haven't even scratched the surface on building yet. We haven't done anything like that. And this could be divided up into three rooms. And I'd love to eventually just give this over to youth ministry and say, here you go. So we can build this other facility, right? All of that's still happening. Keep going. I don't think we're at the end, are we? Probably not. Oh, stop. Rocking K, 2,000 acres, all right? They're gonna put 3,360 homes. In phase one, just 1,400, right? Goodness. Keep going. Oh, and then the school district. Here, this is exciting about our school district. Look what's happening right here. Stop. You see where Old Spanish Trail is. You see where Valencia is. You see the star? Brand new high school. That's less, that's about a mile and a quarter away from us, right there. That's just down the street across Houghton. Houghton Road is right there on the left. Here's a new high school for 2,000 students. Phase one of a 2,000 student comprehensive high school. Right there. All approved, ready to go, ready to break ground. Ready to start slowing down the street traffic and all that kind of stuff, right? Look at this, stop right there. Whoa. <laughs> Our schools are busting out because of all the people moving in. Residential stuff, businesses, jobs, tons of jobs, right? <sighs> right there, down the, the street from Pima County at the, what's that school called right there next to the, yeah. So here we go. Look, we're gonna put in a soccer field, tennis courts. Wait a minute. Where's the baseball field? Who cares about soccer? All right. And all these things. Look at how many students are increasing, you know, per year all over the place. And all of our schools stop right there. Look at what's happening all around us, you guys. The reason why I'm putting all this up is not to make you dizzy is not to be nostalgic about, you know, talking about Mark Miller when, and Matt Miller when they were in middle school, but how quickly things change and how you can, we can sit around here and go, oh man, you know, and kind of get consumed with what we're doing and what we're not doing and, you know, and all the things that we're consumed with and forget that, look at what we're in the middle of and what God is doing, what he's trusted us with and what he expects of us. I, I, I just really believe with all my heart still with all my heart, that God has not made any mistakes on where he put us, why he put us here, when he put us here, and um, who he's choosing to utilize. Often, I mean this with all my heart, people, are, people say to me, um, Pastor Ben, you know, wow, it seems like things are going really good. And I'm like, yeah, these people actually think I know what I'm doing. And I I can't tell you how inadequate I feel just to be the pastor of this church. It's pretty crazy how, uh, how limited I am in my abilities. And yet what God is choosing to do in our midst. Is that the end? I don't know. Yeah, thank you. Take your Bible out and turn to Judges chapter six. I want you to turn to Judges chapter six because I think that God has some lessons for us and some challenges for us. In just the next few minutes, I want you to see a really fantastic story. A story that I, I, can't, um, I can't possibly get down into all the detail. I mean, I could turn it into three or four messages easy. The scope of this story from chapter six through chapter eight of this guy named Gideon. 
and how God, God wants to use him. He chooses to use him in spite of all of his flaws, in spite of what everybody thinks, in spite of the appearance of his abilities, all that kind of stuff. On the surface, God says, I'm going to utilize you for some God-sized mission. And, and um, I think that you should be able to see your, uh, yourself in this guy named Gideon. Now, just, just really quickly as you're in chapter um, six, okay? Gideon's life story is all through here. His whole life, right? And a big swath of it anyway through Judges. And the, the, the book of Judges chronicles uh, a period in history, in the history of Israel, um, that was made up of seven repeated cycles. And the cycles go like this. God's people know that they're God's people. God, is, God loves these people. God has chosen these people to showcase the essence of who he is, honestly, and to present who God is uh, uh, to, to, to the world. And uh, so there, there are times when they're deeply obedient and they love God and they get it. And then there's a cycle where they just like, they walk away from God. They, they, they become idol worshipers. They're, there's just this cycle of up and down of, of their love for God and understanding of who God is and their worship of God. And, and, and they get it and then they just plummet and they, and they, they begin to be consumed by other gods and, and idol worship in themselves and they become selfish. And so God, it, it's just a cycle. He sends seven different judges to shake them each time and wake them up and to set them straight. But what, what happens is, is uh, God's heart is broken uh, over and over again. And so he, um, in order to shake them up, you know, he allows them to be beat up on a lot, <laughs> right? In particular, um, Gideon is the fourth judge amongst seven. And Gideon is uh, chosen by God to do some things to, to, um, to help the Israelites because they are being beat up by the Midianites. And the Midianites, um, they, are, they have some new technology at this time, right? The, the new technology that they are utilizing in order to pummel Israel, it's called the camel. Israel, Israel doesn't have, the Israelites don't have any camels, but the Midianites got camels, all right? And they utilize these camels in, 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 a, in a crazy way. Part of the reason why they utilize them is because they can go three days without food or water and they can travel that whole time. So the Midianites don't got to camp out right next to Israel and just punish them, you know, like that. They can live completely, you know, they can live hundreds of miles away. And then at harvest time, get on their camels ride in and just take, take, take everything that the Israelites have been working for the whole year. Take their harvest, take their fruit, take their grain, take anything they want, load it up on the camels and then head back to wherever they want to live. And they can do that, right? So, they're, so the Israelites are suffering from this over and over again. That's where you pick up in chapter six, Gideon. And what God's, God's, God's had, he's like, all right, they've had enough, so this is what I'm going to do. So, uh, it's hard to appreciate the military significance of the camel, but this is what's going on, right? And according to chapter 6, when you go to the verses 3 through 5, they move in from the desert across the Jordan, huge numbers, all right? Huge numbers. <clears throat> 
And then rather than just invading the area and occupying the land, they just wait. They just wait. So they camped out. So now you pick it up right here and Gideon is working with his dad and it's harvest time. And normally what you would do is you would thresh the grain on a threshing floor. So you get out there, thresh it, beat it. You throw it up in the air. The wind would blow away the chaff and the grain would fall to the ground. But they're so afraid of what's going to happen. Gideon is in a wine press inside stomping around in his bare feet trying to do it that way, which is totally ridiculous. Okay. And so Israel is weakened by, by, by Midian and then and the Israels cry out to the Lord for help. Help us, God. Finally, they come to their senses. Help us, God. And so in verse 11, Gideon appears on the scene, on the scene and his name means hacker. What seems to be like a, a name for a man of great strength and courage. But when you get your first look at Gideon, he's cowering under a tree, threshing grain in a wine press. He's hiding for fear of the Midianites. He's not courageous in any way. So as Gideon is, is doing this, a man approaches him and sits down under the tree and is just watching. So Gideon, he doesn't know that it's the Lord's angelic messenger. He doesn't get that yet. He's not understanding it. He doesn't realize, so there's probably nothing supernatural about his appearance because everywhere you read in the Bible where one of these guys shows up, everybody's afraid. So something's going on here. In verse 12, the messenger appears and says to him, the Lord is with you, courageous warrior. So he's instilling confidence in him saying, courageous warrior. And you know that Gideon's not anything like that. So he's inferior, at least in the judgment of his peers. And in verse 15, he points this out and he says that he's from the tribe of Manasseh, which is the weakest tribe in all of Israel. And then he says that he was the youngest member of his family. So he's the youngest and the weakest, uh, a part of the weakest tribe of Israel. But God gave him a single reply. He says, but I will be with you. I'll be with you. I got a mission for you and this is what I want you to do. Here's my first point here. And I'm going to buzz through these really quickly. But the first point is, it's not a matter of outward capability. It's who the glory belongs to. It's actually all about God and what he thinks. Because God's going to do the work anyway, right? It's not about outward capabilities. I don't know what you think. If you think that you're... You got what it takes in order to capture all the growth that's around us and all that kind of stuff. But God doesn't, he's not looking for people who are most, who are the most outwardly capable or who are the most naturally strong. He intentionally works with the most unlikely material so that everyone can see the glory belongs to God and God alone. That's what he's after. Over and over, all throughout God's word, you can see God cutting away a man's self-confidence to bring him to the place where he admits that he's totally inadequate to do uh, what he's totally inadequate to do or to be what God desires. And he brings people to this place. And I don't think there's a single figure in God's word that God does not bring to realize a deep sense of his own inadequacy. And this is vital. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as if it were coming from ourselves, but adequacy is from the Lord. So when you go to verse 34, 
there's a remarkable statement. Just look at verse 34 in chapter six. It says, the Lord's spirit took control of Gideon and he blew a trumpet summoning the Abazarites to follow him. It literally says, the spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. That's an awesome picture. The spirit of God wore Gideon the way a man puts on a suit of clothes, indwelling him, empowering him to do battle. Remember that principle. Brave, effective, Christ followers, soldiers, and that's who we are in God's army, are clothed with the spirit. And as you read on, you discover the second principle, which is this. Put that one up. Courageous soldiers, soldiers in God's kingdom decide which general they're going to follow. And so the first assignment that God gives Gideon is not to go in there and just whoop up on the Midianites, which he could have done. He sets things straight. Gideon's father uh, had built an altar to Baal. And he says, I want you to go tear that down. I want to set things straight because people are not worshiping me. And so he sends him to clean house in some other uh, first. They're following the wrong general. We tend to have divided loyalties as well. Instead of being single-minded and focused on God, we are, wor- we are created to worship in spirit and truth. We're created to be givers. We're created, all right, to fulfill this mission and this mandate. We're created to glorify God. We're created to showcase the essence of who God is. Everything about us, I don't care if you're talking about our marriages, our families, your kids, uh, your job, your spiritual gifts, it's all meant to point to and showcase and, and feature the essence of who God is. And yet we do, our, devo- our loyalties are divided. And Joash, Gideon's father, had apparently built this altar to Baal on his property and it's called an Asherah, a wooden pillar representing the Canaanite goddess of fertility of all things. It's not just for the family's private use. It's obviously served as the village's shrine. As Joash uh, acting as a supervisor over this pagan worship. And this is what these people are doing. Of all this journey that they've been through, here's what they're doing. Here's what they're focused on. Don't think that that's not us. I mean, you can look around at all this and go, man, this is exciting, this is exciting. And, and still, our priorities are upside down and out of whack and we, we're, we're focused on the, the craziest stuff sometimes. Our loyalties are divided. We're following the wrong plan, the wrong general. This is what's going on in all of our lives. Let's move on. Courageous soldiers learn, though, to follow orders, right? So you got to follow the right general, and then you got to follow orders. God has a mission and a mandate and purposes for all these things, and there's a learning process for, for Gideon. We're still in chapter 6. From the beginning, he had a lot of trouble trusting the commands and the promises of God. He's not seen it. He's not recognizing it. God is patient, though. He's patient over and over again, over and over again. Gideon's trying to understand and discover God's will. He already knew what God's will was for his life. And so prior to his fleece casting, so he does this whole thing where he's like, all right, God, if this is what you want me to do, and then put out a fleece. And then if it's wet on this side and the ground's dry, then I'll know that I'm supposed, you know, I need a sign. And then, so God does all that. And then he says, oh, wait, wait, let's try it the other way. Let's make the ground wet and then the fleece dry. You know, then I'll, and God's, all right. He's patient over and over them because he wants to utilize him. He'll be patient with us as well. 
If you really intend me to use, uh, to use me, God, you know, to deliver Israel as you promised, you know, <clears throat> do you see the weakness in all this thing? He's trying to limit God. He puts him in a box. It's always difficult to interpret this way. Don't do that. God has done so much in his life already. God has done so much in our life already. Don't limit God. Don't think that it can't be done. I know it's a lot. I know there's so much out there. It's overwhelming to me as well. I just want to get the playground finished. Gosh. I mean, how long? It was, you know, I, and I'm not critical of anything. It's just a long, old, drawn-out process. Oh, my gosh. It's a painful process to go through, to just finish it, right? And, and people are working hard, and we're doing it, and we race, I mean, you know, we still got a ways to go. There's still stuff that's got to be done out there. There's, there's, there's so many things, right? It's, it's, it's hard. Here's the fourth one. If you decide to follow God, get ready for God-sized battles. God is patient with us. We learn to trust his orders. And then one last principle, courageous warriors need to understand this. Because look what he's getting us ready for. Looks like a big God-sized battle to me that's looming out there in front of us. And I just don't want to be sitting here not ready for it. In Judges 8, you don't, uh, you don't have to go there, but you know, that's, that's towards the end of the story. There's 134, or 135,000 Midianites, 135,000. So, so uh, Gideon's rounded up the troops, right? And he's got about 32,000 guys. And, and, and so he's getting all these people together. They got nothing. They don't got any weapons. They don't got really anything, right? And this is what God says. Hey, 32,000, it's too many. So what I want you to do is I want you to go in front of these guys and I want you to say, hey, anybody afraid? Don't feel bad. It's okay. If you're afraid, you don't want to do it, just go home. Here's your shot. Can you imagine being Gideon? All right, guys, we got a big old job to do. But some of you, if you're afraid, just go. It's okay. Just go. So what happens? 20,000 people just go. And Midian, uh, Gideon's standing there with 10,000 guys. He's like, okay, 10,000. That's a lot of guys. It's a lot of guys. And God goes, well, let's see, 10,000 is too many. We gotta, we gotta weed this out. So here's what I want you to do. Take them down to the, take them down to the water. Take them down to the water and this is what I want you to do. I want you to pay attention. Get your clipboard out. And uh, when they're drinking, I want you to pay attention to how they're drinking the water. Right. The guys that, that like cup it up in their hand and go, you know, like that, those are the guys we want. If you just put your face down in there and drink it, you know, straight up, not those guys. <laughs> Serious? I'm, I'd be going, there's a better way. How if we just go one, two, one, two, one, two, or I, I, you know, I don't know. This is what we're going to do? Yes. It's totally ridiculous. The Lord's making a point. So what happens? Checking his clipboard at the end, there's 300 dudes left. 300 guys. That's who we need. That's all I need. Just 300 guys. All right, everybody go home. You drank it wrong. <laughs> or whatever. I don't like the way you drink. 
I, I don't know. <laughs> How do you tell the guys? Well, anyway, 300 people, 300 guys. All right, so he's got 300 guys. God's ready to do this. And he goes to Gideon. He says, I know you got reservations. If you're afraid, that's it's funny. If you're afraid, he's no, he's, Gideon's totally afraid. So he says, oh, you know, I, I, I just want you to go check it out. You know, sneak over there and listen to what they're talking about. You know, go ahead. Just listen. I promise. Just, just go listen to what they're talking about, those Midianites. So he sneaks away and he's, He's in the bushes, I guess, I don't know. And he hears these guys talking, right? And they're talking about a dream that they have and a barley bread loaf rolling down the middle and crashing over everything. And they're like, <gasps> that means total wreckage is coming, you know, and all that. So Gideon comes back, he's like, yeah, look. And everybody's excited about what they heard. You know, the, the Lord's with us. And they got these chants, you know, the Lord's with Gideon, a sword for the Lord, a sword for Gideon. They, got, they have all this. In, I mean, just read through the story, all right? And so uh, Gideon's like, let's go. We're ready to go. He's charging up the troops. It's like Braveheart, like, let's go, all right? And here you go. Here's a trumpet and a, you know, and a clay pot thing and a lantern. Let's go. No swords, no nothing. Divides them up into three things, or three little companies, and they, they surround all 135,000 uh, Midianites, right? And when he gives a signal, basically what happens is they start yelling and screaming and cheering all these chants, right? About God, about Gideon, about everything. They're breaking the pots, they're blowing the trumpets, they're yelling, this whole thing. Have you ever been woke up in the middle of the night? Don't wake me up in the middle of the night because I throw my elbows, I'm jumping up, I'm, I don't know what's going on. Linda's like, ah, putting her head under the pillow, afraid she's going to get elbowed because it startled me in the middle of the night. What happens to the Midianites? Same thing. You're waking up, they're like, we're being attacked, ah, and they just run around killing each other. That's what happens. They're so crazily frustrated and, and, and scared to death, they just start killing each other. And now these guys are just sitting up here going, this is awesome. Just ah! start killing each other. I love stories like that. In a short span of time, God had taken an overwhelming situation and made it completely impossible. 32,000, no chance of winning this battle against the horde of Midianites. Now you're down to 300. They're outnumbered 450 to one. I don't know how we're gonna raise 250. We need to raise about 250, between $250,000 and five, I don't know how to do it, $500,000. All I can say is that's the kind of thing that we're up against. We already got a pretty good sized mortgage. We already got a lot of things. We already got a small staff. We already, there's already a lot going on. How in the world? What? How in the world are we going to respond to this? I don't know. It's overwhelming to me. It's honestly overwhelming. God is not interested simply in giving his people a victory. He's concerned with teaching us to trust. He's, he's concerned with teaching us to rely on him. I don't think Gideon slept very well before all that. And God knew about the anguish. He settled his heart. He sent him in there to hear a few things. And this is what happens. The Midianites basically just slaughtered each other. Half asleep men. Gideon's men never moved. 
They stood in their place, blowing their trumpets, waving their torches, shouting their slogans, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. That's all he did. God still calls his troops into battle against overwhelming odds. And I'm feeling really overwhelmed right about now. I truly am. I'm about as flawed as it gets. But sadly enough, many Christ followers aren't courageous enough just to follow. I don't want to be that guy. They only want to do things they can do instead of things that require them to trust the Lord. And there's so much out there to do. It's, all, it's overwhelming to me too. And I can bite off a lot. I can. God always asks us to do things we're not able to do because he wants to demonstrate his nature, his strength, his provision, his kindness to his people and to a watching world. I think that's what's on, we're on the cusp of this. Maybe that's not even correct. I think we're right in the middle of this. God has invited us to, enjoy, to join him in a God-sized task, and it's coming. We're gonna finish the gospel of Mark. It's gonna conclude right at Resurrection Sunday. But have you noticed how the church breathes in the cycle of the school district, how we're connected uh, to the school district? It's not like any other place around, right? I was trying to explain to somebody who doesn't live here, rodeo break. I'm like, what? And I'm all, yeah, we, 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 we shut down school for the rodeo. <laughs> Serious? Yeah, we shut down school for the rodeo and nobody goes to the rodeo. <laughs> we go to Disneyland. <sighs> Don't forget this truth. We, 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 we have... We never stop. We, we never stop joining God in his efforts that are beyond our means. And they are beyond us, I'm telling you. I don't know where it's going to come from. Gideon reminds us of some important principles, right? They're still there. It's not a matter of outward capability. But to whom the glory belongs, it's still about God. It's not about you. It's not about me. And nothing's about us, by the way. Not even this. This is all about God. Courageous soldiers, and that's us, in God's kingdoms, have to decide which general they're going to follow. If you're following somebody else, you're following the wrong one. You're not following me. You're not following our staff. You're not following youth leaders. You're following, we're following God. And courageous soldiers have to learn to follow orders. His orders are stiff. They're tall. They're, they don't make sense sometimes. And if you decide to follow God, you better get ready for God-sized battles because I don't know how he's going to widen the road in Houghton. I don't know how they're going to turn that gigantic mess over there in Cole uh, Road and then I don't know how they're going to do that. I, I don't know. But there's, all of this is going to emerge all around us. And I just don't want to be a church that's sitting here going, man, that's cool. And just, you know, waiting for people just to walk in the door. Don't you want to be ready? Bow your head with me. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, just for a few minutes here. The intention here is, Lord, uh, to just, for you to light a fire under us. We're in the middle of a great series that we're traveling through, the Gospel of Mark. And there's so many great lessons about your son, Jesus. We want to pause just for a moment to be reminded of your mission and your mandate, your purposes, and all these unbelievable things that are taking place all around us. We do not want to be sitting here with our hands in our pockets. We want to be ready, Lord. Challenge us to crack open our Bible, surrender allegiance to you, 
and follow orders no matter what, God. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great afternoon. Hope I get to see you next week.